in the end, you just got to go with the flow and go the flow with your training and, and go with the flow during race day. And that's what the marathon really has helped me um, realize. This one's radio episode 647 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, uh, I want to give a shout out and a debt of thanks to uh, my friends over at Knuckle Lights who are the sponsors for today's episode. I've been working with Knuckle Lights for a while, been using Knuckle Lights for uh, a while, and it really is a great product. And if you're like me and, and you don't really care for the feel and the fit of a headlamp, but you know when you're out running and it's dark out, you, you kind of want to see where you're going, what's in front of you, if there's a little bit of debris on the road or the trail, or uh, heaven forbid, if a car is coming towards you, you kind of want to be able to get their attention, having knuckle lights is uh, definitely a great option. Uh, just like the name suggests, they're lights that have a strap on them that fit around the outside of your hand, so the light actually sits on your knuckles and keeps your hands free. So for me, running with Bailey, that means I, I still have full, full control of the leash. Uh, if I have my water bottle in my hand, I still have full ability to hold my bottle and hold the dog leash while still being able to see where I go. So it's a it's a really great product, something that I've been been proud to be associated with with their company for uh, a few years now. And like I said, been using them for a few years as well. And uh, with with Christmas coming up around the corner, you know, v- various holiday gift exchanges, a great gift for yourself, put it on your list, or maybe for the runner in your life would be a, a set of knuckle lights to help you uh, see what's coming your way on your next run. And with daylight savings time ending, I mean, shoot, it's it's even more important to be able to have some lights because it's getting dark. The days are getting shorter, the nights are getting longer. But anyway, we'll talk about knuckle lights a little bit more uh, as we go, uh, both in this episode and in the future. But definitely, if you haven't checked them out already, head over to knucklelights.com, check them out. And if you decide to get yourself a pair, make sure you let them know you heard about it here on Diz Runs Radio. So without any further ado, it's time to sit back, relax, or keep running and relax, or whatever it is you're doing, and uh, get to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today I'm catching back up with someone that uh, was on the show way back at the beginning of the year, so not uh, not too you know not not too many moons ago, but definitely uh, several months back. And uh, now he's back to talk about some of the highs and lows of of his year, which uh, there's definitely been some of both. Uh, he's the head man in charge over at Next Level Running Company, and is also supported by Ted Shoe and Sport SOS Rehydration, Goo Energy Labs, Features, uh, Socks, and Salty Bean Coffee Company. So he's got uh, got some things going for him in the running world, uh, and obviously got the coaching as well. And it's definitely a pleasure to be able to welcome Mr. Thomas Paquette back to the show. Uh, thanks for coming back and joining us again, Thomas. Really uh, appreciate it. And looking forward to catching up a little bit. Hey, Danny. Thanks so much for having me back on. I'm really looking forward to this again. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Guys, if you uh, haven't connected with Thomas uh, from, from the first time around, uh, Instagram, probably the best place uh, at just his name, at Thomas Paquette, T-H-O-M-A-S. P-A-Q-U-E-T-T-E is uh, is the handle on Instagram. And uh, obviously on Facebook, you can find him there as well. Just search his name uh, and he'll pop right up. And if you want to, if you missed the first episode, where we kind of talked about a lot of his, his backstory, college running, things like that, kind of how he got into coaching, um, which we may touch on some of those things again as we go today. But uh, if you want the, the full scoop, 
dizruns.com slash 513 is the link that'll take you back to the show notes. Uh, and you can also, it's probably recent enough that if you're listening to this, at least as, as about the time that this episode goes live, uh, you can probably find it in your podcast app of choice. If you just scroll back down to episode 513, it's probably still uh, still alive. You can check it out if you missed that episode the first time around. And if you want to get the uh, the notes for today's episode, links and and contact information, all that good stuff, uh, disruns.com slash 647 will take you to the show notes for today's episode. So Thomas, now that we got all that, that good stuff out of the way, uh, still going to ask the same opening question as we asked the first time, because uh, I went back and listened to uh, to that chat to kind of get uh, caught up on where we were, uh, whatever it was, 10 months ago. Uh, and there was a bit of, of hemming and hawing about, uh, about this question. So I'm just going to ask it again and see if the answer has changed at all, or if it's still the same. And, and either way, we'll, we'll take it one way or the other. But uh, you, know what it, you know what it is, and, and so does everybody listening, but I still have to ask it. What is your favorite distance to race and why? Uh, always a great question, Denny, for the first, first question. Uh, I'm still going to say the marathon. Uh, marathon is my favorite distance to race. Uh, just because it's different every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the training for me, I feel like it just keeps me in a really good routine. Uh, it keeps me very regimented, and honestly, by the end, I feel like a superhuman. You know, <laughs> at the end of a end of a, a training cycle, a marathon cycle, you just feel like you are an invincible. Uh, I really love that feeling, um, and the marathon has really changed the way I looked, have looked at my running and approaching my training as well. Um, it kind of sounds cliche, but uh, there's not one particular day leading into a big marathon um, that will really define you as a runner. So if you have a bad day in a training cycle or a bad week, uh, anything could happen in a marathon. And I, I think I've really experienced that uh, in my uh, marathons this past year. Um, and in the end, you just got to go with the flow and go the flow with your training and, and go with the flow during race day. And that's what the marathon really has helped me um, realize. And that's why I love it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, if, I'm, if I'm reading between the lines, then was that was that something that uh, maybe you weren't quite as as go with the flow in, in regards to training before you kind of have maybe had this realization in some of these these marathons that you've run recently? Yeah, um, you know. I've always said the marathon to me has been a journey. Past two years, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs with the experience uh, racing or just running, completing the distance. Mm-hmm. It's a far distance, as everyone knows, 26.2 miles. And I've gone through a lot of pain, a lot of mental fatigue, and just kind of training my mind to cope with those um those experiences and putting myself in a, a position where I am going to be uncomfortable for three hours or, or more for, for some people. It, it's a really cool way to, to get into that, that nutshell that a lot of us don't get to be in. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, yeah, for, for, for those that are, are, are on the, uh, three hours and, and up crew, that's that, that, that qualifies for, for me as well. It, and it is, it is, uh, something that's, that's, uh, it, it's just, a, it's a tricky thing to prepare for because, you know, you don't tend to do too many training runs that are as long as, as the marathon. And so there's always that, that little bit of uncharted water and that, that little bit of, 
of I don't know what to expect, even if you've done it before, because as, as you said, and as we said the, the first time we chatted, and as I've said with lots of folks, every marathon is so different. There's so many variables that even, even if it's the same course one year to the next, there's so many things to, uh, you know, th- that can happen and often do happen that it really is. It, it, it's tough to, to predict exactly how things are impossible, maybe to predict exactly, exactly how things yeah. are going to go. Yeah. I, I've also found though with the marathon, um, and racing other distances, I don't just do marathons, but you know, back, back in college or even after college training for a 5k, you could run a 5k almost every weekend. Mm-hmm. And certainly there are some people who run marathons every weekend, but if you, I believe really want to be competitive in a marathon, you got to do one and then you got to wait maybe six to 10 more months to have another crack at it where a 5k, you could run a 5k on a weekend, do two or three more weeks of solid training, and then go back to the, to the 5k and probably run a good chunk faster. Uh, so the marathon has really taught me to be patient Mm -hmm. with my training as well. Um, where the 5K or even short, I guess, shorter distances in general, you could really come back to them more frequently and see gains a lot quicker. So uh, that's another cool thing about the marathon is is learning to be patient with with the journey. Yeah, certainly, I, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. And and it's uh, it's it's one of those those things in running maybe in general that for me at least I, I feel like there's there's so many lessons that, that I continue to learn continue to relearn some of them because maybe I wasn't uh, uh, aware enough or maybe too stubborn sometimes to get the lesson the first time so you got to learn it the second time and maybe the, hopefully not the third time but but sometimes sometimes those lessons that it uh, uh, you have to keep getting beat over the head with them until you finally start to figure it out and, and patience is definitely definitely one that uh, I know I've struggled with a bit and I know a lot of other folks have as well it's, it's uh <laughs> Yep. Maybe it's, it's human nature. Maybe it's runners more specifically. I don't know. But man, that patience piece is a tough one to, to get our, our heads around sometimes. I agree. I can agree more. So, uh, you know, you, like you said, you, you kind of learn some things. You continue to learn. We all continue to learn, hopefully, as, as we continue to run. Um, but but the, the marathon has become more solidly your your favorite race. And, and to harken back to the to our first chat one more time, I, and I'm going to probably get this quote wrong, but it was, you, you said something about in that, that answer to the first question where ultimately you did still settle on the marathon being your favorite, but it was, it was uh, that you were struggling, I think was, was what you said with, with really racing it. it, it it's a hard distance to race. Um, and I do kind of think that the more times you do it, the, the quote unquote easier it gets, not that it ever becomes easy, but you start to, to figure it out a little bit more, know a little bit more what to expect. Um, I know you've run a couple of big marathons this year, and we can get into that a little bit more as, as we go here, but has has racing the marathon started to get a little bit, again, not easy, but maybe a little bit easier for you, or is that is it still a struggle to get out there and really push it hard and, and uh, get after it on race day? Um, I think I've I've definitely started to, to enter that realm of quote-unquote racing uh, a marathon. Again, racing a marathon is, I think, really kind of set into what you believe. It's just an effort, I I think. Um, So I just did the Chicago Marathon um, almost uh, seven minutes faster than I did Boston. And I think I was able to step into that category of being a little bit competitive with the people around me, but that's not just, uh, it just didn't, it wasn't a switch that just came on. That was a lot of hard work and 
uh, build up from previous marathons and as well to build, be able to build up that confidence and the, the fitness over a long period of time to be able to put myself in that position. Um, so, yeah, I would say I think as I continue with, with running the marathon, I can be a little bit more competitive each time, more with myself and my ability. Uh, certainly, I'm not going out trying to, to win uh, the Boston Marathon or Chicago Marathon. I'm nowhere near that. But it's always good to have a little bit more confidence and have the ability to run faster based off of the fitness that you've gained over a long period of time. Yeah, certainly. And that's, that's, uh, I think the key for, for all of us. And certainly something I try to, to remind folks of as, as a coach is that, you know, you have this one training cycle and that's, and that's great. You know, you're geared up towards whatever the goal race is, but the, the real trick to growth in our sport is to continue to build on that into the next and the next and the next, uh, cycle as you continue to move forward. So, um, you know, talking about talking about the races, you, you ran a couple of big ones this year, like we said, and you, you name dropped there, Chicago and Boston this year, um, both of which had some some weather challenges this year that uh, maybe didn't make the, the days uh, as as ideal uh, as they could have been. But uh, we'll, we'll start with Boston and work our way to Chicago here eventually. But how was uh, how was your Boston Marathon experience? And if, if memory serves, this was your first time running Boston, right? Uh, no, my second. Second, I okay. did. Uh, yeah, I did Boston back in 2017. That was the hot year. Right, right. Uh, yeah, you see, so you got the, 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 the uh, extremes, and then, and then and then you ran a, a much stronger race a few weeks later. Right, that was how that that worked out. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then 2018 Boston, everybody knows uh, that the infamous monsoon, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, it was 30, 35 degrees and raining at the start with snow uh, on the ground and. Uh, you know, I fared pretty well, which I, I was pretty happy with uh, in being able to put myself in a mindset that I had no control over the weather mm-hmm. and no control over these factors. That took a lot of stress out of uh, the performance. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people have performance anxiety. I certainly suffer a little bit from that as well, which is not a bad thing. It, it, it certainly... Um, means that you care and that you mm-hmm. really want to do well, but it can certainly impede on performance. And the Boston Marathon, I just went in for fun. I just wanted to go out and have a good effort day. I threw time goal out the window, and having that experience back in 2017 where I was walking by – or sludging up the hills and walking, coming down uh, mile 21, 22, that was not fun. So I really wanted to have a, just a good time, whether no matter what the weather was. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great experience to be able to finish the Boston Marathon with a seven-minute PR still um, and not have any issues and just walk away with my, with my head held high. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, obviously those, those two, you know, your 2017 version, your first Boston race and, and, uh, 2018 this past year with, with running Boston, um, probably couldn't have been for, for a, it sounds like for a number of, of factors couldn't have been two, uh, you know, more different races from weather to how you perform to your mindset going in, um, to, to all of those things. Um, but were, were there, did, were there any things that uh, 
that seemed similar between the two or, or were they really as, as pretty much completely polar different, you know, polar opposites as, as they kind of sound like from the surface at least? Uh, yeah, complete polar opposites. Uh, first off, my fitness was completely different. Um, going into 2018, I feel like I was, again, looking back at it on 2017, I felt like I was overtrained, um, that I was not ready to run, uh, a certain time, which is kind of how we all, I would say, approach a race is, uh, we want to hit this certain time where for 2018, like I said, I, I just got rid of that time goal and wanted to go and complete the distance without any issues. And that really allowed me to, to run, run well. Um, and also, um, I would say the being able to look back at the efforts that I put forth leading into the marathon, I was a lot more confident in, in what I was capable of doing. And I think also dressing properly for, (laughs) for, for the weather really played a huge role in, in me doing well. I I remember waking up the morning of the marathon and my cousin telling me that there was snow at the start. I didn't get much sleep because the wind was keeping me up. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I woke up not wanting to, to head out to the start line, getting bussed out. That was, that was really hard for me to just wake up and and face the fact that I'm going to be doing this in less than two hours. Uh, but adjusting my my mind and my point of view really really helped. So, I yeah again polar opposites of mm-hmm. of 2017 in all, all facets. Well, and and you know uh, certainly the 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 good facet of it being an opposite is that it was it was a, a, a better performance wise race that that you uh, you know finished finished strong and and had a, a, a like you said a, a big a big PR especially. For those running at at your level, a seven minute PR is is nothing to uh, to to shake a stick at. That's that's I mean seven minute PR for anybody is is a pretty good day at the office. But uh, you know at at those you know three ish sub three hour paces, that's that's really uh, moving things along. So coming out of that race, d- did you uh, you know knowing that you had Chicago on tap, what was what was the summer like for you? Uh, summer was uh, again recover, mm-hmm. uh, make the legs feel good. Um, but one thing I struggle with Denny a lot after a big marathon or a big effort could be a 50 K could be a half marathon or 10 K for anybody, um, is kind of coming down off that high, mm-hmm. right? You have a really, really good experience with something. And typically that first week going into it or coming off of that, that big effort is, Oh, I want to go do that again. Mm-hmm. But like, drive me out to a, to a race and let's go race. Uh, but for me, I, I struggled for about two months trying to put myself in a, in that mindset of, I have to put, I have to do all this training for another three months to get another crack at another marathon. Um, I have to put in what it takes to reach a goal, goal a, Mm -hmm. and that was really tough for me. But once I get into that routine, I think it was around June, I started getting back into the weight room, um, doing my doing my strength training and getting back into a, a really good routine. 
everything was back to normal again, my mindset and, and my motivation. But I think we all kind of have those post-marathon blues is what we call it, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, that motivation is lacking and it's almost daunting to think about what it will take to reach your next goal. And that's, that's how the beginning of the summer went. But I started getting into local Grand Prix races in New England, which was fun. So again, thinking of positive, seeing good friends mm-hmm. and uh, awesome competitors and kind of getting back on the grind. And as I see my fitness build and my times improving and my mindset diffing, uh, changing, all of a sudden it becomes fun again. And then you're kind of into that r- routine. And uh, the summer went really, really well. Hopped in a few road races, did a, a mountain race, a trail race again up in Vermont, did the Killington 25K, which I would say was one of the hardest races I've ever done. And uh, I went off course, unfortunately, <laughs> which which just, happens in a trail race. I was going to say, again, par for the course of a trail race right there. Exactly, but put myself in that position of being uncomfortable, being in the unknown. You're training your, your mind and your brain to how, how can you deal with that? And I think I, I did pretty well considering I wound up running three miles more than I wanted to, uh, which translated into almost half a, half an hour more or 40 minutes more than I wanted to, which makes a huge difference for those who, who race and run trails, um, especially up a mountain. Mm-hmm. And um, I finished top 10, which I was pleased with. Uh, it was a race I think I could have won, but being able to, to handle handle that effort was a really good positive for me. Um, so that's how the, the summer went, And it, it was just a, just a blast because fitness was building. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, it is definitely nice when you can st- see things starting to come together. And, and like you said, you can, you can shift your focus a little bit. You can run some, some other races and get on the trails a little bit. Um, even though you know that you've got a big goal race kind of out there and you've got, you know, for you, Thomas, you've got Chicago kind of coming up, uh, you know, as, as you go, but you don't need to, to, you know, completely get tunnel vision on Chicago for the entire summer. You, exactly. can, you can do some other things yeah. as well. Um, so yeah. then, oh, uh, so, so then you get to, uh, get to Chicago. Um, how was how was how was that race for you? You know, Chicago was awesome. I will tell you that with a you know ten exclamation points. <laughs> uh, I had I had family out in Chicago, which was awesome. I was able to connect with some cousins I haven't seen in a long time, and experience the deep dish, and uh, that was that was great. And just the culture in Chicago is awesome. Uh, met up with some uh, fellow coaches and friends and a good friend of mine, David, who, uh, David Kilgore, who actually just killed it in the New York City Marathon on Sunday. Uh, so we're able to connect. Uh, but Chicago was was one of the first marathons for me, Denny, that I had decent weather. Mm. Um, a good friend of mine uh, always says, I'm the king of bad weather conditions. And Chicago was... 50-ish degrees at the start with a drizzle and overcast. But by the end, it got kind of humid. Mm-hmm. But again, we got pretty lucky the next morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. It was uh, 80 and humid. Right. So we, we, we lucked out. Uh, but Chicago was, was great. It was uh, a marathon that is flat, didn't have to deal with any hills. 
and I was able to get into a rhythm where uh, I was al- almost like a metronome, just dialing and clicking off miles uh, at a at a quote unquote easy effort. Um, I always tell my athletes and and people ask me about marathons that the first uh, a good first portion of a marathon shouldn't feel really hard. You, right. I mean, you're not going anaerobic in in a marathon. Um, you're just trying to hold a pace for as long as possible uh, until it, it, you start fatiguing. And that's mm-hmm. almost inevitable in a marathon. And that usually happens a little after 20 miles. And that wall is usually at 18 or 16 if if you are unfortunate, which I've been unfortunate <laughs> several times as well. So um, it was it was really nice to be able to roll through a marathon and not really have any hiccups until about 24. Uh, I really need to work and figure out my fueling. I think mm. I think I was I took too many goos. Uh, my goo to fluid ratio was a little off, especially with a caffeinated goo, and I think that dehydrated me um, quicker than I I had thought. And I cramped up a little bit at 24. But it, it wasn't something I've ever, um, like, I've experienced something like that before. And it and it, um, it went away, mm-hmm. and I was able to finish somewhat strong. But it kind of slowed, slowed my, my pace and my overall projected time. But still came away with, with, a, with a smile and, uh, and a, a good feeling of accomplishment, for sure. Good, good. Um, you know, one one thing that you mentioned in there, kind of towards the beginning of Chicago, which which is something that Chicago is known for, is is the the relative flatness of the course. Um, and and I see the the flat uh, marathon course as as a bit of a catch twenty two. Because yes, it's nice that there's no big climbs, there's no heartbreak hills, there's no uh, bridges that you have to big bridges that you have to climb over, like there is in in, in New York and and you know some of the other the you know other courses that definitely have you know elevation and, and climb and, and, and loss be part of the uh, the equation. Uh, Chicago doesn't really have that. But at the, at the, you know, the other side of that coin is when you're getting those those ups and downs, whether it's a really big hill or just some gradual climbs and, and descents, you know, you, you get to, to work your muscles a little bit different. Your stride changes a little bit different. Um, and that can kind of, for me, at least in my experience, seems to kind of be a little bit refreshing, you know, of kind of breaking up that monotone, same stride, basically for, yeah, for 26 yeah. miles. Um, and being a guy, you know, being, being that you're in New Hampshire where, uh, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in New Hampshire, but the, the, uh, week and a half or two weeks that I spent, uh, several, several summers ago, um, I don't recall seeing any flat at all, basically in the entire state. <laughs> um, you said it was nice that Chicago was flat, but, but, uh, you know, in, in the back of your, in the back of your, your mind or in your, your heart of hearts, do you think that, that, uh, maybe having, a little bit of a, of a hill might have been nice as well, or, or was that flat really just, I mean, just what you needed coming off of so many ups and down training runs in, in New Hampshire? Um, I think a little bit of both, Denny. Um, so I live in Keene, New Hampshire, and we have so many rail trails here mm. uh, that um, really, really help with training, especially in the summer. It's, it's shaded, it's flat. Some of these are pitched a little bit uphill, so um, they're very it's almost as if you put a little incline on your treadmill. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I always like to train to at least somewhat what my big goal is. So um, certainly hills play a huge role in 
in training. It makes you stronger. You kind of dial down the, the pace, but you just get up the hills and um, go off of effort. Uh, but leading into Chicago, I was really mentally preparing for no hills. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how where all my workouts were done on, on a railroad bed, um, where I was able to not really have to deal with um, with hills. Um, so going into Chicago, I was, I was prepared both training wise, physically and mentally for, for that. There is one little hill in Chicago. Uh, the last 400 meters is up this little incline and it kind of feels like a, a huge hill at the end, <laughs> but, uh, it's certainly nothing compared to what I experienced out here in Keene. Right. Well, and, and then, you know, a, because it's the last, the the last, like you said, 400 meters yeah. or whatever it is, it's you're, you're fatigued, you're tired. The last thing you want to do is climb at all. And if you've, I've, I've heard that mentioned before that there is that little bit of a hill towards the end that, uh, you know, you go into it thinking flat, 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 flat. And then you do have a little bit of a climb and, and that can be doubly defeating just because you didn't expect oh, it. Yeah. Like what? And yeah. then of course, the fact that they save it till the very end, like, like every race tends yeah. to do It's always the case, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, it's about 400 meters, what did I say, 400 meters, and then it just dips down. So you do finish on a downhill, but mm -hmm. yeah, that, that last last little bit really gets to you, especially if you've been in a, a really good rhythm, rhythm on, on the flats. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So a, a little a little reality check, a little a little gift from the folks <laughs> yep. in Chicago. Just, here's, a, here's a little yep. hill for this, this flat race. Um, exactly. I want to I shift gears just a just a little bit uh, on, on some of the you know those are some of the highs that you had this this summer, but I know there was a, a couple struggles along the way as well. So I want to talk about those for a second, Thomas. But but first, uh, I want to take a, a second and uh, and thank today's sponsor, a uh, longtime friend of the show, longtime supporter of the show, the good folks over from uh, from Knucklelights, which uh, I've I've had my Knucklelights now for for several years. I, I can't remember exactly when I got them three three years ago, four years ago, sometime a while back. Um, and and they're great for for running. Uh, and especially now, you know, as, as the show gets released, uh, daylight savings time has just recently happened or just recently ended, meaning that, uh, you know, the days are getting, uh, getting shorter, the nights are getting longer. And if you're running before work or after work, pretty much uh, any time outside of the, the normal workday hours these days, uh, it's going to be dark where you're running. Um, and, uh, you know, when it comes to dealing with cars, um, you know, cars are undefeated when it comes to car runner collisions. So we want to try to avoid those as much as possible, obviously. And one of the best ways to make that happen is to make sure that the, that the people driving the cars are aware that you're out there and having a light can be helpful. So whether that's a blinking light, uh, you know, something red light or, you know, using your knuckle lights and having, you know, it's kind of like a flashlight, only you don't have to hold it. It fits on the outside of your hand, which is convenient. You can still hold your dog leash. You can still hold your water bottle. You can still hold whatever, whatever you need your hands to, to hold uh, and still have a light that obviously helps you see, but also helps you to be seen by the traffic that is coming your direction and making sure that they know that, Hey, wow. Can't believe that somebody's out here running at five o'clock in the morning when it's 27 degrees outside, which I know some of you guys do that kind of crazy stuff. Um, and by just making sure that the drivers of those cars are aware that you're out there, uh, you know, goes a, a really long way to making sure that you make it home uh, in one piece and, and ready to get out there and, and run again the next day. So if you don't have a pair of knuckle lights yet, get yourself some. If you want to put them on your Christmas list, do that as well. Uh, they make a, they make a great, a great gift. Um, and for all that, you know, all that ordering information and good stuff like that, just head over to knucklelights.com, uh, check them out, uh, and, and definitely well worth it. Uh, and, and not for nothing, but they also make a great uh, hurricane light. If you, if you lose power during a hurricane, they're my go-to, uh, hurricane lights and, uh, you know, 
any, any other reasons that you're out of electricity, you're out camping, you're out doing things where you don't have uh, lots of electricity, lots of lights, take your knuckle lights with you and you are good to go and still be able to use your hands, which is, which is that key component of, uh, you know, sometimes with running, but in a lot of other things as well, you can still use your hands, still get the lights you need, knucklelights.com. So, uh, Thomas, like we said, we had a, you had a couple of, of really good races this year, um, or at least you know, running some big races, having some, some good performances. Um, but as we were talking a little bit before we got officially started today, there were some there were some some hiccups a little bit, a little bit of uh, maybe not you know huge setbacks, but some some struggles that had to be dealt with and, and some things that had to be overcome as it relates to to your form. So uh, can we get into that a little bit? What was what was kind of the uh, the, the issues that you were dealing with as, as far as your gait and form are concerned? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, it, it's funny because uh, my training, I always like to say it's my own little science experiment. And um, I graduated from Keene State College with an exercise science degree. So a lot of this stuff is familiar and what I learned in the classroom. Um, but as soon as it became prevalent to, to my own body, I really got interested in how I could fix this. And um, I think it was last time we had spoke to any, I was dealing with some uh, glute and hamstring issues, uh, almost to the point where just sitting down on a chair or um, driving, I was just feeling this tremendous discomfort and pain in my butt. And I, it's something I've never, uh, has never happened to me before. And when that translated to running, it felt like as if I was tripping over my own feet. I couldn't lift my, my knees. My glutes weren't firing. My hamstring was all out of whack. And I was really, really concerned because this is something that has never happened to me. And I think that stemmed from a little bit of overtraining. But also, um, my body was not strong enough to to withstand the type of training that I wanted to do or that was prescribed to me. So um, I was able to um, at least tell myself, all right, I need to get this figured out. And, and I took some time off um, and I started to do some research and I started seeing uh, some, uh, some PTs. And um, the certain type of PT that I see is called uh, uh, an IMT, Integrated Manual Therapist. Um, so it's not that typical sports PT that you go to the hospital or a, a, a practice where they give you some exercises in the corner or these are the exercises you need to do, take them home right. and then come see me in a week. Um, it's nothing like that at all. Um, an IMT is someone um, who uses hands-on techniques um, that promote uh, tissue repair and normalize the structure and restore function um, in your body. And these are for all systems in the body, bone, nerve, fascia, muscle, uh, organ systems, lymphatic systems, and circulatory systems. And the aim is to get, um, get at and treat the quote-unquote why a symptom is happening, not necessarily um, tr uh, exclusively treating the symptom. Um, so a symptom is usually the sign of not being balanced or inefficient in a function, which can result in compensation. And that's what I was doing. I was overcompensating for my inefficiencies. And as soon as you start overcompensating, it becomes layers. It, mm -hmm. It's layering of compensations, almost like an onion. So an onion has layers. So eventually my onion became too big, right? right. I was overcompensating and... 
so it it made me do all these functions and perform desired tasks at uh, an inefficient in an inefficient way. So for me, um, I was dealing with uh, significant pelvic, spinal, and lower extremity malalignments, and that put a lot of force on my pelvis, and that in turn became really, really uh, painful mm-hmm. and for my nervous system. So uh, I'm sure people who listen have, some may have had issues with uh, a sacrum that is lowered that pinches on a nerve. And that's that almost that sciatica right. feeling, that, that sharp pain that goes from your butt down to your hamstring. So I was feeling a lot of that. Um, but I was able to find ways to, to fix it, which is pretty cool. Well, then, uh, you know, can't, uh, can't leave us hanging there. And, and obviously we'll, we'll put the disclaimer out there that just because this worked for you doesn't mean this is going to work for, for yeah, everybody yeah. else. Um, but, but what were some of the exercises and, and ways that you were able to, to solve that problem and get back to being able to, you know, sit down without pain and run without pain and, and maybe undo some of that overcompensation that you were dealing with that, that may have, you know, probably caused this to begin with. Yeah. So again, seeing, um, seeing a IMT. So I see, uh, Melanie who owns her own, uh, physical therapy, Melanie Greenwood and Keen. She is awesome. And, uh, she was able over time, granted you. So this was in junction with me, um, training for Boston, kind of peeling back the layers of the onion. Um, and that's how she would always put it to, mm-hmm. to me is all right. So we're going to treat your, um, your sacrum right now. We're going to put it back into alignment. We're going to adjust your, um, your, you know, your hamstring and then your IT band. Um, and this might be, she might be doing that when I come to tell her, Hey, my peroneal tendon is really, really bothering me. Mm-hmm. So she's not treating my peroneal tendon, which is the lateral side of my ankle. It makes my ankle feel right. like it's sprained. She'll start treating something above it or something completely different. Um, so she would, she would again, peel those onions and eventually that we will rediscover another symptom. Um, so over time we were able to, we were able to, to deal with those, but also getting back into the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, but being conscious of what is, what my malalignments are, I, I basically had to teach myself how to lift and do these exercises with proper biomechanics. Uh, I believe a lot of people who want to do cross training or proper lifting, you first have to um, make sure that you're doing all this with proper alignment, with proper biomechanics. Because if you're you're lifting with um, inefficiencies, then it's going to translate to an inefficient form or inefficient mm-hmm. running. So my strength coach uh, had put together a, a plan for me, Bethany Wishland. She's actually one of my athletes, and uh, she helps me with that. Um, we worked a lot on hamstring strength and mobility first in my ankles and in my shoulders to take a lot of pressure off of my glutes. Mm-hmm. So my, my lats, my lats, uh, so if you can't engage your lats, you're not engaging your glutes. And if you can't engage your glutes, they're not going to fire. So it's right. all a trickle down effect, which is really, really cool. Again, getting back to that science on my own science experiment, being able to figure out if this isn't working, then it's because of this. And then it, again, it's, it's really, it's really cool. 
Right, right. Had had you kind of um, with with the way you phrase it of, of getting back in the weight room, and you mentioned that you know coming out of out of Boston, and maybe, maybe these are the the times that the things overlapped a little bit. Getting back in the weight room, um, had you kind of committed that uh, quote unquote sin that I'm certainly guilty of, and, and a lot of of runners are of kind of neglecting the strength training for large periods of time uh, that that maybe again kind of helped cause this this onion to grow like it did. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I never realized until maybe last year when I, after I talked to you, the importance of proper strength training, mm-hmm. uh, running specific. And it's not like I'm going into the weight room trying to bench as much as I can. A lot of these is just motor learning, teaching, uh, teaching myself ways to, uh, you know, fire my glutes mm-hmm. properly. Um, and it's just little, little tools that you can use to integrate with your running. Um, but it's extremely important. If your core is not is not strong enough, it's not going to hold your body. Right. Um, and if your if your butt isn't strong enough, you can't stride properly. You can't get uh, enough um, hip flexion, um, and your stride is going to be really really inefficient. So working on those little things over time really really cha- will change you as a runner. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and like you said, it's, it's, you, you can overcompensate or you can, you can overcome it. You can overcompensate for it, but it makes you less efficient. So if, if the ultimate goal exactly. is to run faster, run farther, stay healthy, whatever, you know, each individual runner's goal is to, yep. is to be, um, you know, you can try to do it the more efficient way, or you yep. can try to force things to happen. And when you force things to happen, that's usually when something eventually, yep. uh, is likely to go wrong. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And don't, and don't get me wrong. I, when I go in for a, a strength session, when, when my coach is telling me, all right, you got to do these mobility workouts and I'm, or mobility, um, exercises and I'm just laying on the ground doing, doing God knows what. And I'm, <laughs> I, I think to myself, how is this going to make me a faster runner? I'm just doing wall slides with my arms up, mm-hmm. you know, how is this going to make me a better runner? But then when you really think about it, all, all these little exercises really, it's like a puzzle piece. You put them all together and then all of a sudden you have your, your stride is your form has changed. So if you look at pictures of me, if people want to look, you, you look at, pictures of me almost a year ago and pictures of me now, my stride has completely changed. My foot gait has completely changed. I look at the bottom of my shoes, I'm wearing them differently. Mm. Um, and I feel just solid I, on the, on the road and even on the trail, I just feel more, um, more efficient. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, we like to say it in, in my, my, coaching crew and my my runners is that it's a it's the hidden secret it's it's even though it's not a secret it it's just that little dose of it will make you faster and a lot of people neglect that um so it's really cool to be that example and show people this is what proper strength training will allow you to achieve yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then and you can also play the card that it just makes you a healthier person anyway, which is a oh, going to be good oh, for yeah, your running, yeah. but B it's also good for, you know, playing with the kids or moving stuff at yeah. the house or whatever, whatever, you know, yeah, your day to day activities. It's, it's, it's good to be healthy in all phases. Yep. I agree. 
So uh, shifting gears, maybe maybe one last time talking back uh, about the coaching. It's something that I know was was still, or at least I, if, if again, if memory serves. Although I, I I botched that on the Boston thing a while ago, but um, still, you know, when, when we talked last, it was was still new ish to to getting the coaching thing going, and and still still going strong, still having uh, athletes that you work with uh, these days. Um, how how are things going with the coaching front? Still still, I'm assuming still really enjoying it. Oh, absolutely. Um, just. Uh made it somewhat official next level running company is is the name and uh it just really really accompanies my lifestyle denny um i get up every morning i i watch the news go for my run eat my pancakes go to work which is at a running shoe store (laughs) and i'm checking in with athletes uh every wednesday i i facilitate a workout for them get to check in um and then they have these goals that you know, some of them think are are impossible, and I tell them it's not. And mm-hmm. being able to help people is something that I I truly truly enjoy. And just surrounding yourself with with those who support you and believe in you, because um, if you don't have those people, um, it makes your running a a lot harder. And it's really cool to be able to take next level running or NLR is what we call it. And make it almost a culture, and I'm able to share that culture with with other people, and people just feed off of it, and it helps with their day to day life, and it helps them with their own running and their own goals. And I just hope that I could take what I have learned from my own running and and give it to them, and then they could apply it to their own life. And it just seems like that's happening. And it, and and I help people from all all over town to even out of town. Um, I, I coach some people online, um, but I help people from all different clubs and it's not just next level running. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I help, help anybody in it. And it's just truly a, a joy to me. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, I, I echo all of, all of those things you said. It's something that I, I certainly, uh, love doing and, and hopefully, hopefully helping more than hurting some folks along the way. Um, yeah. but, uh, another thing that, that you mentioned there, or at least kind of, uh, it, it came through to me is that, you know, you're, you kind of have, have got yourself in a position and I've gotten myself in this position too, where basically like running is something that you do for fun. It's something that you, you enjoy doing, but it's also, uh, a job between, between working at the running shoe store, between coaching athletes, um, in, in an honest moment, does it, does it ever, does, at least in, in so far in your experience, um, does running ever kind of get to be a job or is it, is it something that really all the time is just, you know, whichever phase of it that you're in, uh, it's just, it's just something that you just really love to do. Um, you know, that's a really interesting question. I feel like, I mean, certainly everybody has those moments where it's like, oh, I don't want to run or oh, don't want to do this workout. But honestly, no, um, running is my lifestyle. It's uh, it's something that I will do no matter what. Um, so working at the shoe store, even, even working at Ted's um, is not a job. It doesn't feel like a job to me. Because it's, I'm in an environment where I could talk about something that I love. Mm-hmm. And it's not just running. Um, certainly, we, we help more of the day-to-day jogger to the, to the walker. I'm not tailoring to elite athletes, and that doesn't matter to me one bit. Um, but I like to say sometimes to people that I'm almost living an elite athlete lifestyle, even though I'm not an elite athlete, <laughs> that I could – 
really, really enjoy what I'm doing and not really have a, a, a shrug about it. Um, it. It's just, it's a good, good quality of life for me right now. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, and and uh, I again I echo echo all of that. There's there's always there's always some aspects you know, of, of various things that you're just kind of like oh, oh but, yeah. But yeah. In, in the grand scheme of things, man, I, there's there's nothing else I'd rather be uh, be doing with with my with my life than than running, working with runners, going to races, doing doing all the things that uh, that, that I get to do, which yeah. is which is pretty yeah. exciting. Uh, and and as we're as we're wrapping up, one one last thing that you've also added, and and I believe that this is new since, since the first time we talked is, uh, you got a little writing gig with the newspaper writing about some running stuff as well. How did that come about? Oh yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, you know, I, I was heading out to Colorado last year to spend some time with a friend and go on a runcation is what I call it. And, um, a person from the local paper emailed me, Hey, was wondering if you could contribute to the, um, the wellness section of the newspaper. And I was like, well, what do you want me to contribute? Uh, she's like, anything. Um, and my dad uh, was a writer. He was uh, chief editor of the Hartford Current in Connecticut. Um, he's written a book, and he wrote for several magazines. And my aunt was a writer, and uh, my grandfather was a writer. So it was kind of almost um, maybe meant to be, <laughs> I guess. And um I certainly was not a proficient writer in, in high school or college, but um, almost eight years ago, a lot, a lot of my running buddies who are a little bit older than me do these blogs, right? It's the new Instagram, or it was what Instagram and, and mm -hmm. Strava was. They would log in what they did for the day and have a little write-up about it. And... I kind of see it like that. It was almost my opportunity to have my own blog because a lot of people were getting or mentioning to me, oh, you should you should start a blog and we could follow you in your training and in your coaching. And this is just a perfect opportunity to be able to write what was on my mind and share it with mm -hmm. everybody. And it's actually getting published, uh, which is really cool. Um, and I would write on topics such as, you know, the the power of the run community or going with the flow. Um, I've talked about um, other instances, my 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 downfalls in the marathon and not giving up on a goal and um, a lot of inspirational stuff. At least I see it inspirational. I get a lot of good feedback from it. People mm -hmm. come into the store who I've never met before, and they say, "Oh, you're Thomas." <laughs> and you write those articles. And I was like, oh, he read those? Like, and they're like, of course. So it's really cool to just make connections with all different people um, because obviously newspaper is digital now too. So mm -hmm. I could share it via social media. But then I'm also reaching those who aren't on social media. Right. And it's, it's just cool um, to be able to share, again, my passion for, for something I love to do. So... Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's definitely cool when you get those kind of out of the blue, at least for me, I'll agree with you about the, uh, the, you know, comments of, for me, it's listen to the podcast, you know, because, uh, it, it's, it, this is one of those things where obviously we're having the conversation, but you, you forget sometimes, or I forget sometimes, or I don't realize sometimes how many people are also listening to, to our conversation right now. And then every exactly. once in a while you get somebody that, uh, that connects with me on social media or sends me an email or, or whatever it might be. And they're like, Oh yeah, I've been listening to your show for, for years and it's like gosh like that's awesome that, that it just has that yeah. that that ripple effect to just continue to, to reach people yeah. and hopefully motivate hopefully yeah. educate hopefully help in some in some way 
former fashion. So as we're, as we're wrapping up, Thomas, uh, again, one thing that, that hasn't changed from the first time that, that we chatted and really hasn't changed in, in a couple of years is uh, the way to, to kind of end the show and, and asking some type of, of philosophical question. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that I don't do often, although I do it on occasion. And it's, it's kind of a, it's a, a kind of pr- a predict the future question. And I, I hate those questions <laughs> because, because they are, so, I mean, you know, like just throw it, throw a dart at the board, right. And, and whatever it lands on, who knows, like it's, you're predicting the future here, but, um, with, with, with this year, you know, knocking out, uh, Boston again and, and, and getting to run Chicago. Um, I'm just, just curious if, uh, and, and again, I mean, this is, this is a terrible kind of philosophical question of predict the future, but do you see, uh, maybe the other four marathon majors in your, in your sites at all? Is that something that's crossed your mind yet? Um, and if not, let me go ahead and plant that seed and, and think about running the, uh, the other ones at some point. Um, certainly. Yeah. I think that eventually one day I would like to do all of them. Uh, I was a little hesitant to do New York City but after seeing everybody crush it on the weekend and just seeing the the vibes and the 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 just the the hype of, around it, it I think eventually I'll do New York but I've always wanted to do London mm. uh, London is is really cool but that's always a week after Boston so right. it's one of those things where you got to pick and choose if you want to do one or the other but certainly yeah I would like to do all of them and that's the one thing I love about running in general is that I've been able to turn my running and the running community, no matter where you travel, no matter where you go, you'll always find a runner. Mm-hmm. And more than not, that runner is really, really kind and friendly and wants to share their run with you. And I've, I've found that anywhere I've gone. And, and, th- and that's where running has taken me. So I would be really, really excited to, to take my running to, to Tokyo and to Berlin and to London, um, and New York city, uh, mm-hmm. for that matter. So yeah, certainly. And, and I have some really, really big goals, um, and just knocking, knocking them out, uh, one at a time would be really cool to do. And that, that would be one of them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, uh, looking forward to, to staying in touch and, and doing this again at some point and hearing about the next, the next few goals that uh, get knocked off the list. Uh, one, one last little quick thing. Uh, you planning on running, uh, Boston in, in, uh, 2019. Yes. All right. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, well, hopefully, hopefully and, uh, this year you can, you can split the difference on the, uh, the weather front and you can maybe yes. shed that, that bad weather Thomas moniker yeah. and have a, a good, <laughs> a good day in, uh, in Boston weather wise and hopefully a, a good uh, so. race as well. I- that's, um, fingers crossed. I was just in uh, Boston at Franklin Park running with my coach, and uh, a comment came up that I don't think Boston could get any worse than 2018. And then there is a – we said, I think hail would have made it worse. <laughs> right. It can always be worse. Snow, Somehow it can always be worse. Snow would have been better, but hail would have been worse. Mm-hmm. Worse. So if we could split the difference and make it a 40-degree overcast day, I'll take it. Yes. Yes. You and you and 27,000 others that'll be there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, once, once again, at Thomas Paquette, T-H-O-M-A-S-P-A-Q-U-E-T-T-E is the handle on Instagram, Thomas Paquette on Facebook. And uh, once again, disruns.com slash 647 is the link that'll take you to the show notes for today. We'll have the link to uh, the first conversation there as well. Uh, episode 513, if you just want to find it in your feed and, and get a little bit more of, of Thomas's background and some of his earlier days of running and, and uh, some of the, the, the fun things that we talked about back then as well. But uh, until next time, Thomas, thank you for uh, for taking the time today. Uh, like I said, definitely looking forward to doing this again at some point down the road and, and uh, continue to stay in touch and wish you nothing but the best going forward, my friend. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Denny, for having me. It was a blast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Thomas and myself. And as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that we talked about that uh, kind of sticks in your mind a little bit after the conversation has now ended? For me, it came from somewhat early, although I guess kind of middle, middle early-ish, if that makes sense, from, from the conversation when we were talking about Boston and uh, when Thomas was talking about his kind of the recovery from the Boston Marathon and and uh, the mental recovery that it took, and I think that a lot of us, uh, and I'm guilty of this too, and I'm certainly some of the uh, the folks that I work with, some of the Diz runners are, are guilty of this too, uh, of trying to speed the recovery process because physically maybe we have all maybe we have really truly recovered, but that mental recovery after a good hard marathon or half marathon or, or any good hard race. It's easy to overlook that. It's easy to think that as soon as we're recovered physically, we're good to go. And that's not necessarily the case. There is a level of mental recovery that has to, to happen, to, to clear our minds, to, to get some of that mental fatigue, uh, those marathon blues, like Thomas talked about, and like we've talked about before on the show, to get those out of your mind. And you know, it, it, in a lot of cases, at least in a lot of the cases that I've seen, both with myself and the folks I'm working with, and it sounds like from Thomas as well, you can't truly get back to like good training until that mental recovery has happened. So, you know, if you've you got a, a big race coming up on your schedule uh, at some point, whenever that next big race is, and you get through it and you're pain-free plus three and you're ready to get back to your training, make sure that your mind is right too. Make sure that you, you don't need to give your mind a few more days or at least keep things really light and really, you know, without structure and loosey-goosey and, and easy and and just get a little movement, but not any strenuous exercise, not any strenuous workouts until your mind has had the time that it needs to recover. And who knows how long that takes. Sometimes it takes a few days. Sometimes it might take several weeks or even longer than that. But make sure that you give your mind enough time to recover after a big goal race. That was that was my takeaway for today. What was yours? We'd love to hear it. As always, you can reach out to me on the Twitter and on the Instagram. Same handle, both places, at DizRuns. You can also find me uh, in the email, DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, which you can get to at DizRuns.com slash 647 and leave a comment there with your feedback and your takeaway right there in the comment section, or you can use the contact form as well and leave me your thoughts and feedback on this episode. You can also reach out to Thomas if you uh, enjoyed the conversation and start following along with him. All that information is there in the show notes, disruns.com slash 647. And with that, let's go ahead and put a bow on this thing. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one as always. If you did, go ahead and click share. So let, let some other friends know about, the, about this episode and about the show in general. Uh, things continue to grow, and it, again, it, it continues to be because of you. So thank you for all that you're doing to help the show grow, uh, and, and can't wait to uh, see what what you know what things continue to happen the rest of this year and into twenty and, and into twenty nineteen as well. It's it's exciting times around here, and you're at the center of that. So thank you so much for all you do to help help me and help the show. Uh, once again, Knucklelights.com is the sponsor for today. Uh, check them out. Great product. Great. Nothing bad to say about Knucklelights at all. Uh, lots of lo- lots of positive things. If you've got any questions on it. Let me know. And it's not just positive things because they're a sponsor. It's positive things because I have a couple of sets and I use them. They're, they're really, really good. So any questions on Knuckle Lights, let me know. And I'll give you give you the honest take, the, the, the truth take. And you can decide if it's right for you or for that runner that you're looking for a gift for, that hard-to-shop-for runner. Uh, but until next time, please be well. Thank you guys once again for listening. Appreciate your time and your attention. Hope you have a great rest of the day. And we'll talk soon. Take care, guys.